Hello, Gorillas. This is episode 5, season 4 of Gorilla Opera Podcast. My name is Tae Kim, ensemble pianist, and I'll be your host for this episode. Today, Nick O'Leary joins us to talk about stage directing as we prepare for the upcoming watch party of Chrono Hunt on January 14th. Let's dig in. Thank you for joining us today. So can you tell us what a stage director might do? It's a great question. Uh, in my mind, it can mean a lot of different things depending on what the work is and who the audience is. Uh, my work kind of straddles genres. I work a lot as a theater director as well as working with um, music works and operas and what I call live performance, which can be a pretty broad spectrum of things. So it really depends on what the exact work is, what that role ends up being. But to my mind, my job is to help create the most successful version of the event possible, Um, which typically means both understanding and trying to hone uh, what the performers need to succeed So they may need some insight or advice or outside perspective. Um, It tends to involve trying to understand what the generative artist is trying to do, whether that's the playwright or the composer or even an ensemble-based generative process I work with sometimes. So trying to help hone what that is doing and work to the most successful articulation of that in three dimensions in time and space, as well as thinking about what the audience needs and what will help them encounter the work most successfully and have the most enjoyable, thought-provoking, moving, whatever the goal is, the most successful version for them. And there can be kind of a balancing act between those three different uh, masters that we're serving when we're trying to put a work on its feet. So how did you get into it? So truly as long as I can remember, I was a theater kid. Uh, I think starting in first grade, I was performing in community-based musicals and educational theater. And that was kind of my main hobby up through high school. Uh, I sang in a choir and things like that. And at some point, I think when I was 14 or 15, I came to understand that I was uh, spending too much time thinking about what the other performers were doing and not enough time focusing on what I was doing. And that I was really much more interested in solving the problems of how a performance came together. I was much more excited to go to rehearsal than I was to show up every night and perform the piece. Hmm. Because for me, what was really fun was kind of figuring out how to make it all work. So I started kind of thinking along this track that, maybe I would be better served and better serve the, I mean, I was having more fun when I was getting to make those decisions. Um, And around that time, when I was 15 or 16, I actually got the opportunity to start experimenting a little bit with um, scenic design. So for my high school theater program, it was possible for me as a student to be the person working with the director to, uh, design the set, which was a great opportunity for me at the time. And in doing that work, I really began to engage the most with this idea of conceptualizing a piece as a whole and finding that unity and coming up with some kind of organizing principle to make everything work. 
because I was having conversations for the first time that were about, you know, well, where is it set? What's happening? What do we need to have on stage in order to make this happen? And in doing that work, I really came to the conclusion that my passion, my excitement was for being in that directorial role. So I pursued that kind of in my my late teens through uh, my undergrad studies and in trying to find more and more opportunities to actually direct. was your first collaboration with the Gorilla Opera. How was that like? Well, it was a blast. <laughs> I will say that. I mean, I was so excited to get to work with Gorilla Opera, having uh, enjoyed their work as an audience member. I think that for me, what was really special about that work uh, in terms of the process was that the uh, company is so ensemble driven that really there is this sense of we don't have a conductor, we're trying to create work together, we're collaborating between the singers and the instrumentalists and the production designers to try to create the best version of this. And it was really exciting for me to come in as the stage director to be a point of contact for that process, but still not be the overseeing voice that was kind of the one person in charge in the room. The other thing that was really exciting was just the absolute spirit of audacious adventure that was clearly driving the company from day one. And it was so clear that no matter how absurd my sort of early proposals or silly noodles were, there was this desire to try it. A singer was willing to put themselves into an uncomfortable position or try something kind of silly or let me kind of say, well, I think this is where we start and I think this is where we end up. Do you have any ideas about what might happen in the middle? And it was very refreshing to work with people who were excited to dive into those questions in a way that I haven't encountered in every ensemble that I've gotten to work with. Um, let's think about the space. I remember, I don't know if that was the first space that we had to work with after the black box, because I think that was the year that we couldn't actually perform in the black box that we used to do. Um, so the space for the premiere was is actually for the orchestra rehearsals, big, spacious, yet not too much reverb. What kind of challenges did that provide? Well, it was an interesting space to work in. I mean, I think from the perspective of the staging and the production design, it presented a 
an open canvas in a way that on the one hand meant there were lots of possibilities, but we were missing, I think, some of the control that traditionally is possible in a black box, both in terms of really precise lighting grid control where you have like a much lower ceiling and grid and you have some of those abilities as well as being able to kind of fully pull the audience in and control the picture in a really precise way that is possible when you have more control over your environment. Instead, we were kind of almost working with a pop-up experience, which ended up working really nicely with the production design concept that we came up with that I, I sort of cooked up with Julia and, and talking to Andy about what we were trying to do with the piece. Um, we ended up approaching the show as if it was being put on by this company of tragedians that are referenced in the libretto. And so this idea that you sort of could see backstage, you could sort of understand that these people had brought all these things in trunks and bags and were sort of throwing something together for you. It almost felt a little bit like a, a traveling circus at times did resonate really well with that kind of open anything is possible in here versus I think what you might expect working in a more traditional proscenium kind of space where there's like a lot of architecture that is establishing this is a concert hall or this is a performance venue. performance space giving that blank canvas, does directing a newly written work provide the same kind of freedom? It's an interesting question. I do a lot of new work. I love working on uh, world premiere productions and workshops and solving the problems of a new work. And it can be really exciting to be there in that moment of discovering and being the person who says, I think that what we need in order to make this work is X and being part of that early process. But I also do a lot of classical work and a lot of what I think of as kind of reimagining classics for a 21st century audience. And in some ways that kind of work is also very freeing because when I am working as a, a new work director, I see part of my responsibility as serving the vision of the generative artist so whether that's a composer or a playwright, or even if it's an ensemble driven work, I see my job as the interpreter who's kind of shepherding that first ever articulation of this idea. I see it as my job to help make sure that whatever their idea is, whatever it is that they're trying to put out into the world, I am helping them do that. So I don't wanna show up and say, well, Nick O'Leary's idea is totally different and kind of shoot that down. Whereas when I'm working on a, a production of a, a classic, uh, it's much more comfortable to say, well, this has been done before. It's been done many different ways. Those works exist. Audiences have seen those. Audiences could see those. So now we get to say, what do we want to say with this work? And we're much more so in a position as the, the company of artists to say, what's going to work for us and what's going to work for our audience. And in some of my work, 
that has ended up verging on a kind of adaptation where we're kind of reimagining a specific uh, piece that is from a different context and saying, how are we going to change this, rewrite this, rework this to serve what we're trying to say or serve the ears that our audience has today? It's interesting that you bring it up. I mean, I think that Conan uh, Hanthologus is a, a really interesting example of that in that uh, Andy Vores is doing his reworking of this found text. Right. And he is kind of trying to say something that's very specific to him, but the libretto is so thoroughly based in this historical piece that it's a really interesting example of that kind of process where I was much more in that director role and not the person who was kind of sorting out what we were trying mm -hmm. to do with it. Right. Any other fond memories from the premiere? Well, I would say the, uh, Almost every single minute was a joy. Even even those difficult final rehearsals, I really appreciated the team that we had. I mean, I remember a lot of discovery that happened in the room, which I think is really attributable to the spirit of adventure with these performers. I remember there was there's this one sequence where they're these kind of chaotic running around craziness that's happening that is um, reflecting what's happening with uh, the instruments, with these passages of kind of cacophonous noise. We were playing around with the idea that the singers were going to sort of run all over the stage and spray each other with shaving cream and have all these crazy, like, um, Brian Church had this inflatable hammer that he was hitting Brian Pollock with. The whole point was to kind of have a, make a big, huge mess. And then in that moment when the sonic world kind of clicks back into a more familiar place, we would snap into this sort of rigid picture. That idea was very fun and it proved to be too chaotic for, it was, it, it was, too, it was too chaotic to look chaotic. If that makes sense, we, we couldn't actually achieve this sort of um, level of craziness that we were trying to achieve. So I said, we're going to try it again. We're going to cut all of these props, um, except we're going to cut all these props. We're going to try it again. We're going to cut all the props. You're just going to run around. And one of the singers had been working with this rubber chicken prop and said, oh, are you really going to cut my rubber chicken? And I said, all right, tell you what, we're going to cut all the props except the rubber chicken. <laughs> and honestly, it was so much more fun to have these crazy moments where suddenly there was a rubber chicken appearing. And that was something that we could kind of track and understand. And then seeing that oh, okay. go away was, was a really fun discovery that came out of this singer was having fun with this bit and wanted to keep working on it and not at all from my frustration with this is too messy let's simplify right oh that's amazing well so i hear you're a creator of games and interactive experiences are we talking about something like escape rooms here uh it's a great question um <laughs> this is my other kind of passion is for uh games of all kinds as a as a personal hobby i love 
board games. I love escape rooms. I love anything that I get to kind of play and, and interact with. I'm very excited by. And I've been very lucky to work with a number of different artists who kind of exist on that full spectrum of game design, including working very closely with some really exciting game designers that are doing really important work. So I have been part of everything from uh, designing and developing some simple board games and video games to creating some kind of more hybrid works. Uh, I have a, an art practice where I work with a very dear collaborator of mine named Sharong Biswas, who is a, a game designer and a live action role-playing designer, where we create work that kind of straddles the line between games and performance. Oh, so wow. we've made pieces where um, we, we created a piece called Knock Once for Yes, where an audience member is told they are going to learn how to be a medium and conduct a seance. And what happens in the performance is that this audience member is approached by a performer who is playing a client who is trying to reach a dearly departed loved one. Okay. And the client explains who they're trying to reach. And then another performer comes in who's embodying this ghost of the, the loved one. But the ghost and the client can't see or hear each other. And so it is the, it's left up to this audience member to mediate between the two people and they have to repeat back and forth what they say. And sometimes what the ghost has to say isn't what the client wants to hear. And so oh. people are kind of presented with this question of, should I tell them what they want to hear right. and take care of them? Or should I tell the truth and, and really acknowledge what this voice from the other side is saying? So that's an example of something where we kind of tried to find like what is the most audacious combination of an interactive experience and a performance experience. Oh, that's very cool. Uh, do you have any um, future projects that's coming up? Um, my next project is actually um, a game design project mm -hmm. that is one of these kind of... Um, points of intersection. Um, I am not 100% sure if it is announced yet, but I will confirm that <laughs> before we release so anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, the uh, I'm a company member with uh, Dacha Theater, which is a Seattle-based organization that's been doing a lot of really exciting online work since um, that's the best way for them to reach their audience right now. And I have been uh, hired onto their next project as a game designer. The show is called Secret Admirer. Okay. And it is a exploration of 90s nostalgia in which Ooh. characters play uh, a board game that is sort of targeted at adolescent girls in the, and um, they have to figure out who their secret admirer is and it's going to be interactive with the audience. There'll be some sort of deduction elements. I think it's going to be different every night. And I have been hired onto that show as the game designer. So I'm creating this game that's going to function as part of this um, live performance. That's so cool. Well, how about a future collaboration with the Gorilla Opera? I am optimistic that there will be one. <laughs> um, well, I mean, 
hopefully after the whole COVID, you know. We'll, yeah, you know. no, I, 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 um, I had so much fun working with Gorilla Opera and I'm, I'm really uh, looking forward to the chance to work with them again. Um, I've talked to Julia and Aliana about um, some of their future projects and I'm hopeful that I could be part of um, anything that Gorilla is doing because as an audience member and as uh, an artist, I, I'm just so inspired by what they do and, and would jump at any chance to be part of the work. Well, thank you for joining us today and see you at the watch party. That sounds great. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Tay. And this concludes this episode for Gorilla Opera Podcast. Hope to see you at the watch party of Chrono Anthologos on the 14th. And of course, if you enjoyed this podcast, please like and subscribe and support us on Patreon. Thank you for tuning in. Till then.